Good morning, everyone. So typically at this time of the morning on Sundays, I ask for questions, right? So we'll ask for questions. I think this is also um, connected to the Internet and other devotees are listening as they typically do on Sunday mornings. So for those who are listening, um, I'm here with hundreds of devotees. <laughs> a good number, a good number of them. And they've all been uh, attending recent uh, discussions the last few days, which have been interesting, insightful, uh, 50% of which is at least their credit, their interest to bring out so many nice points. So, are there any questions? While we're getting started, can I present a question? Yes. Okay, so you said how Srila uh, Balaram is the presiding deity of uh, Dasya, Sakya, and Vatsalya Bab. And who is the presiding deity of the Kamanuka uh, path? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the question is about uh, the fact, as we discussed the other day, that what's referred to by Rupa Goswami is Sambandha Rupa Bhakti. Sambandha Rupa Bhakti, the term Sambandha, it means relationship. So there are uh, Parshadas, eternal associates of Krishna in his Brajlila, who have a relationship with him as friends, as elders, or as servants, for example, in the family of Nanda Maharaj, who's the king of the cowherds. Um, so, Sakirasa, Vatsalirasa, and Dasirasa. The reason that these three, the reason that these relationships with Krishna are called Sambandha, the form of Sambandha Rupa, Sambandha Rupa means form here, something, so the, 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 is because these are relationships in Braj that are known, acceptable, um, to be a friend of Krishna, to be an elder of Krishna, to be a servitor of Krishna. Hmm? So they're called uh, Sambandha. Whereas, the other division of Rag Bhakti, which is called Kamarupa Bhakti, hmm, refers to the gopis, young gopis, adolescent gopis' love for Krishna, and that is a relationship too, but it's not allowed in the context of the Leela setting. It's kind of off the map. So it's called Kamanuga. It's rising out of Kama. Kama means desire. It means it means lust. I mean, you have to look at it just externally. Obviously, there's no... This is all pure preem. 
but it takes an appearance of what would be lust otherwise. Hmm? So the gopis meeting with Krishna is, is unbecoming hmm? in the context of the setting, hmm? which makes it more intense and so on and so forth. So it's arising not out of, a, of an acceptable relationship, it's just out of kama. Hmm? So it's called Kamanuga. Now the means to attain Sambandarupa, either in Dasya, Sakya or Vatsalya, or Sambandarupa or, 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 or Kamarupa, are respectively the paths of Sambandanuga and Kamanuga. Anuga means to follow. Hmm. Just to clarify, so the question... Uh, is uh, regarding the fact that Balaram, who whose bhava is called uh, sankul, which is, which means like packaged or grouped, so he is in sakyarasa, which is the dominant sentiment um, that defines him but it's packaged together with Dasya and Vatsalya, hmm? all three of them. So he's defined by Sakya, but sometimes he'll, we find in the Bhagavatam examples of him relating with Krishna as an elder hmm? or um, as, as a servitor. We find that at the end for example, of the Brahma Vimohan Lila, where he he realizes something's going on here. It's very incredible what Krishna has done, and and Brahma's been bewildered by it. I have even been bewildered by it. What to speak of Brahma Vimohan is Balarama Vimohana Lila, uh, when Krishna showed himself to be all the calves and all the coward boys and so on and so forth. It's a long story, of course. Um, so. There he expresses dasya. So we find examples in the Bhagavatam of Balaram expressing himself in each of these while overriding and predominantly he is the, the friend of Krishna. So it's called Sankulbhav. So there are other cowherd friends of Krishna who have Sakirasa and it's Packaged together with Dasya, their younger friends, their older friends who have their Sakya packaged together with Vatsalya, like an older brother. There are friends who just have purely Sakya, and then there's the unique group of the Narmasakas who who aren't in Sankulbhav, they're in Sakyabhav, but it's a particular kind of Sakyabhav that's influenced in a different way by Madhurya Rasa because in Sankulbhav the Dasya or the Vatsalya in the case of let's say Balaram or other uh, friends who have this Sankulbhav the, the Dasya and the Sakya excuse me, the Dasya and the Vatsalya are not mixing with the with the um, Sakyabhav. They're experienced separately. Hmm? Under themselves, 
well, Dasya Bhakti, Dasya Bhav is, is has a neutral relationship with Sakya. But Vatsalya has a um, incompatible relationship with Sakya. So if Sakya become if 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 Vatsali becomes prominent, then the Sakya will recede to the background. Because Sakya means equality. Hmm? Equality. But Vatsalya is not about equality. Vatsali means parental love, so we don't think of our children as our, our equals, and they don't think of us as equals. But equality is central to Sakurasa, so the Vatsali will compromise that, cause it to, to, to contract the Sakya. And similarly, although Dasya is neutral, it's not going to add anything to the, to the Sakya. And so these, in some, and there are many examples, Examples of Sankul Bhav also. Uddhavas in Sankul Bhav. He's a Dasya Bhakta, but he has some influence of of of, um, of Sakya. When he comes to Vrindavan to deliver a message to the to the to the inhabitants on behalf of Krishna, then his Sakya comes to the to the foreground and he can experience things uh, things like Pranay, for example. So there are many examples. Hmm? Yudhisthira Maharaj is a combination of of uh, of uh, what uh, Sakya and and Vatsalya. Hmm. So, uh, but with regard to the Narmasakas, hmm, they're not in Sankulbhav. Typically, Madhurya Rasa is not packaged together with another Rasa in Sankulbhav. But there's a mixing hmm, of Rasas that's possible when they're compatible. So Sakirasa and Madhurya Rasa are compatible, unlike Sakirasa and Dasya, Sakirasa and Vatsalya. So when when a devotee has a particular rasa, but they become attracted to another compatible rasa, that compatible rasa will mix and nourish and take to new heights their dominant rasa. So a friend of Krishna who is attracted to the fact that Krishna is attracted to the gopis, that that does something to him and is sympathetic to that and interested in that, has empathetic feelings for Krishna, can feel not only separation from Krishna himself, but can feel Krishna's separation from the gopis hmm, through empathetic, um, I want to say, uh, uh, connection, emotional connection. Hmm. So they see that, of course we're talking about it with time and time, but it's, it's eternal bhav, but they, they see that Krishna's attracted to the gopis, so they want to associate themselves with the gopis to understand what that's about. So they they have a, a group leader in Sakurasa. They have a group leader in in, in Madhurya Rasa also, and they don't love Krishna romantically, but they love Krishna's romantic life by way of wanting to participate in it, assist in it, and so forth. 
And so this takes their sakyabhav to new heights because the madhurya ras is now nourishing it. It's something like if you have yogurt, nice, very nice. Now if you add a little honey, very, very nice. So the mixing is like that. Put a drop of honey in, and it's still yogurt, but it's now it's even sweeter. So the purpose then of the the the, the rasa that is not one's own but one is attracted to that that rasa its purpose is to nourish the in the case of the sakas the, the, their their friendly love. So we find that it ex- it reaches to levels of mahabhav that are typically only experienced by the gopis. Hmm? Um, and therefore they're classified as ajantika um, bhava or uh, rasagya. They, 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 they know about all the intimate dealings of Radha and Krishna. They participate in them. Hmm? I cited this last night. I think the special position of Subal is stated by Rupa Banjari, hmm? speaking to another Saki, wanting to inspire her to love Subal because he's so special. Hmm? In the love affairs between Radha and Krishna, when they're experiencing Man, Radha's upset with Krishna, no one is more capable of mitigating the Man, which is everyone's desire. Than Suval, as a specialty of his, for example. So, these are intimate players. These friends are intimate players in the um, in the romantic life of Radha and Krishna. They're friends with Krishna, and in the case of Suval, for example, they're they're ser- they have a servant relationship with Radharani. Hmm. Servant, but they're friends. But it's 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 more. Um, like a king guard, like like a servant. Hmm. Uh, so when they're with Krishna, they 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 in the gopis they'll take the side of of Krishna. When they're with the gopis, when, when they're with just Krishna, the gopis aren't there. They'll take the side of their gopi group leader and plead her case, for example. Hmm. So the interesting thing about this uh, peculiar. Uh, expression of form of, of Sakyabhav is that while there are other examples of a devotee in a particular ras being attracted to another ras and that other rasa mixing and augmenting and nourishing their rasa, this typically occurs only temporarily. Hmm? So it acts, that other rasa, like a sanchari. Sanchari means like moving. Hmm? So there are, sanchari bhavs are, you have a, in rasa, one is defined by a particular bhava, sakya, fraternal, parental, hmm? uh, romantic, right? And then there are other bhavas in the context of that that come and go. So one can be in, in romantic love with with Krishna and other emotional feelings will come and go, come and go. Well, you're always romantically in love, 
Sometimes you may be pleased with him, some may be displeased. Does he love me? He loves me not, and so on, and so on and so forth. Hmm? Rupa Goswami lists maybe 33 Sanchari Bhavs. So they come and they go. When they come hmm, and augment the Stai Bhav along with other Bhavas, that's what we call Rasa. It's complicated, but the point I'm making is that typically when one is in a particular Rasa and another Rasa of, that is favorable mixes with it to nourish it, it's temporary. It comes and goes. But with regard to the Narmasakas, they're defined by that influence. And there isn't a moment in Krishna's life where Radha is not on his mind. Hmm? Even something else may be more in the fore hmm? that's in the back of his mind. It's there. Right? We gave example the other way we were speaking. He's playing in the forest with his friends and then the forest starts to remind him of Radha. So it brings it out, right? So as you can say this, as much as Krishna, his mind goes to romanticism and, 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 and the, the thought of meeting with the gopis, is as much as these sakas are influenced by Madhurya Rasa. There's an example in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu where Subal is, is with Krishna. Hmm. And Prabhupada cites this example in, in Nectar of Devotion. And he, he, gives us, he, he gives a setting to it at night during the Rasa Leela. Subal's out there. <laughs> there are occasions like that. And so one new gopi comes and Krishna says, What are you doing here? What kind of boy do you think I am? What, what are you expecting? And, and Stubal is just cracking up. Right. So, so it's an example, Rupa Goswami says, of Subal, who is in Sakirasa, mixing with Hasya. Hmm? And so you might say, well, here's an example of Subal. He's in Sakirasa. There's some mixing with Hasya rasa, but there's no Madhurya rasa. But Jiva Goswami comments, but of course Madhurya rasa is also there hmm. at the same time. So we have no no instance, no example of, of it not being... It may come to the fore, as it does in Krishna's life, hmm. in, in instances, and in, in recede to the background to some extent. But again, these particular sakas are defined by that... Hmm, that influence of of Madhurya Rasa. So we're, this is giving a, a broad uh, answer to to the question. The question is that there's Samanda Rupa Bhakti and then there's Kamanuga Bhakti. If Balaram presides over Sakya, Dasya, and uh, Vatsalya. He he does. There is another. There, I should have mentioned. There's another sense in which he's the presiding deity of Hasiras Also, joking, Rasa. Hmm. That's in a different sense. Hmm. But over Samandarupa Bhakti in Braj, he he presides, and all of those bhavas are part of his constitution, if you will. So the question is, well, 
then there's Kamanuga Bhakti. Who's, who's presiding over that? That was the question. It's a simple answer I could have given, I suppose, but I, I gave it a, <laughs> wanted to play it out a little bit. Um, so we, we will look at Radha in that way. Hmm? Right. Hmm? The next question. <laughs> yes. It's kind of related to this. Um, so presiding deities, I think I've heard also over Sundini, Samvit, Ladini. Yeah. Is there some correlation here, or is that just separate? There are different statements. I don't think I can really cite anything that's uh, a scriptural uh, a citation, but it, uh, in the discourse of different uh, charges over time you can you can find um, um, Balaram presiding over Sandini Shakti uh, there's more evidence that you could give in support of that um, he is described in the uh, Dinikasura Lila as the, as, as the what, what are they called when you weave the warp and the weft of everything so nothing gets Nothing's outside of him. Um, he expands the Dom. Mm-hmm. And then in his expansions of himself, as the Purushas, Mahabishnu, Shuradaksha, Karadaksha, Karadaksha, Garbadaksha, Vishnu, Shuradaksha, he expands the world, this realm. Mm-hmm. So he presides over the Sandini Shakti, which is the existential Shakti component or I should say, component of of, of the Sarup Shakti. It has Sandini, Sambit, Ladini. And when you come to Sambit, Sambit ex, Sandini means existential, let's say existing, existence, cognizance, and ecstasy. Hmm? Sandini, Sambit, um, Ladini. So some will say that Krishna, Vasudev, Vasudeva Sarvamiti uh, it, it, it presides over some bit. Hmm. Others will say Yogamaya presides over some bit. Hmm. The ultimate knowledge is forgetfulness of Krishna. <laughs> A kind of unknowing that, that he that I mean to say, forgetfulness of his godhood, that there can be intimacy. So Yoga Maya presides internally in the Leela, you could say, over the Samvit, which is a kind of knowing. Hmm? You may say, it, I, by it I know that I'm the friend of Krishna, but I don't know that he's God. Hmm? That doesn't, that can't, I can't know that if I want to have intimate relationship with him. So sometimes it's, she's described in that way. And Radha is described as presiding over Ladini Shakti. Hmm. You had a question, similar. What was it? Two questions. Yeah, um, you touched on it, but the nature of the relationship between the, sak- the Sakas and the Sakas. What's the nature of the relationship between Krishna's friends, boyfriends, and Krishna's girlfriends? Right? Well, most of the boyfriends of Krishna have sisters. Hmm. 
So, and Krishna finds out about them, you know, through his friends. That's why in Poganda, which is boyhood, it, when it comes to its middle section, it goes from childhood, Kumar, to Poganda, boyhood, and there are divisions, Adi, Madhya, Antya, you could say, or Seish, beginning, middle, of end of the Poganda, and the Kishore, and the Kumar. So in the middle stage of his Poganda, a touch of Kishore starts to enter because he's totally uh, integrated with his friends now. Hmm? And his, so his center of affection is completely moved from being centered on his parents to his friends. It's not that he doesn't love his parents, but you understand the point. And his friends, he knows them very well, so he knows everything about them. they got sisters. He's seen them. And he talks about them to his narmasakas, who may even report about them, and so forth. So that's one way of thinking about uh, uh, them. Most uh, all the gopis practically have have brothers. All the gopas, young gopas, they have sisters, and all of those sisters are involved with Krishna's romantic life. They're all some in some measure, expression of Radha's uh, love that she's the composite of, right? It represents some aspect of her, of her bhav, personified. But it, your question is really also about what is the relationship between different devotees? Hmm? Because everyone's relationship is with Krishna. They love Krishna. But what about with one another? This is a question that comes up in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Krishna's Rupa Goswami is writing about the stayibhav, the dominant emotion that defines a devotee as a friend of Krishna, as a lover of Krishna, as a parent of Krishna, or an elder, and so forth. And uh, towards the end of that chapter, it's, it appears that a thought comes in his, to his mind, Rupa Goswami. Well, someone may ask, because this whole chapter is about the nature of the stayibhav, and that Krishna, it's made clear that Krishna is the object of that love. So everyone's love is centered on Krishna. He's the object of love. They are the vessel of the love. You need both for rasa. You need the love, and you need the object of love in which it's reposed, right? So the friends of Krishna are, are, the, are the personification of the love, that he is the object of fraternal love for and so in other rasas right you need both and so Rupa Goswami is making this very clear and it's as if someone comes to his mind well what about someone may ask what is the relationship between the different devotees they all love Krishna but how do they relate to one another so he then he 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 has a verse that uh, uh, in which he describes what he calls surit rati. Hmm? Surit rati. Surit means friend. So it's love of the friend. Hmm? And basically, he explains that the love between the devotees is a sanchari bhav, one of those bhavas that accentuates, nourishes the stayibhav. So their love for Krishna 
is nourished by their love and exchange uh, for one for one another. Hmm? And he gives an example that pertains largely to Madhurya Rasa. Hmm? When he says, some devotees love Krishna and the friend equally, some love Krishna more than the friend, and then there's one group that loves the friend more than Krishna. And we call that by even another name called Bhavulas, the Ulas of Bhav. Hmm? And that's very peculiar, he says. The commentators say, Jiva Goswami, Vishwanakshapatikthakur, because it re- results in a reverse. What is the reverse? Well, as I said, the relationship with other devotees is a sanchari bhav that, 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 that nourishes the stai bhav. But in Bhavalas, the peculiarity is that the love for Krishna hmm, nourishes the love for the, that the devotee has for the friend. So, over the centuries, uh, commentators on Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu have said, this is a reference to, when you look at it from the, through Madhurya Rasa lens, as the example, um, in, in, in that uh, we're giving, uh, speaks about Manjari Bhav. Because there, this, the Manjari, the maids, handmaidens of Radha, the peculiarity of their love is they love the friend, which is Radha, hmm, a little more than Krishna. Hmm. They love the friend more than Radha more than Krishna. So their love for Krishna nourishes their love for Radha rather than the other way around. Hmm. So while it generally Surit Radhi is called a Sanchari, this is another special name has been given to this called Bhavalas. That's very special. Hmm. So there's a lot of love there. You gotta have a lot of love. Hmm. Yes. It's not so much a question, but it really was a you have a moment when you were you were at Food Song Farm yesterday and it was a while before we had Bajan and then you started in but um there were steps into the class that we were doing. And, and some of the things you said before you got to chapter 15, from Canto 10, the Bhagavad Gita was, for me, to really hit me about reading the Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam, sorry. Reading it literally in deference to reading it, uh, not figuratively, but uh, mm-hmm. in the implied meaning, look, searching for implied meaning, which you're always doing for us. Untangling and so they're converting things like pulling out. It's amazing how you teach. Uh, you also talked about what well, really stayed with me uh, over and about in that passage before you dug into chapter 15 was the uh, the uh, metaphysical ego and, and material ego. Those Psychological ego. Psychological yeah. ego. I, that really, what does this mean? <laughs> I mean, it sounds wonderful, and I'm not sure really how to think on what you Right. Uh, so Amal Bhakti is commenting on some things that I said yesterday, um, kind of 
by what is part of an introduction to the to the discussion from the uh, Dinakasur Leela that we entered into. Um, and I guess she'd like me to comment on them a little further or something to that effect. Uh, the first part being the fact that that, that that to read the text of the Bhagavatam um, and understand what's all that's there is is uh, uh, takes more than being able to read uh, to, or to know Sanskrit. That would help. Uh, could help. Uh, Rupa Goswami. Uh, makes a statement at the end of the first chapter of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu where he says that uh, in order to effectively engage in Shastra Yukti one has to have ruchi a taste. Shastra Yukti means, Yukti means to reason so there's Keval Yukti Prabhupada called Keval Yukti his term for that was mental speculation no, don't no mental speculation, he would say, right? And therefore, the simple explanation was that would rather than speculate, what does the scripture say? So he used to say, if, if in, in spiritual circles, if you want to make a point, you need to support it from the texts, right? Which is the standard of of knowledge. This is this is basically theology. You know? Now, it used to be in the West that philosophy was tied to revelation, the Western revelation of the Bible, New Testament, I guess. But then at a certain point, it started to, philosophy started to unhinge itself from revelation and just be philosophy rather than theology. Theology is, in a sense, philosophizing about revelation and its implications. And so unhinging thinking philosophically from revelation, hey, that's a, you're free now to think whatever you want. People come up with all kinds of stuff, <laughs> all kinds of ideas. Do I exist? Existentialism and the problems that come with it. And, and so you can just go on and on. Prabhupada compared that to just kind of like masturbating. You know, there's, there's nothing going to come from that, you know. Um, mental mental masturbation or something like that. I think he, one of his cruder ways of explaining the term, the uh, the idea. Um, uh, so you know, the mind, the intellect is just free to, to think whatever. Hmm? But mind and intellect, from our perspective, are products of our own uh, karma and and instruments of bondage. Under themselves, they can't free us from the bondage. They can be used in relation to revelation and grace to help us transcend their limits. But under themselves, just thinking, you're not going to, or intellectualizing. You're not going to intellectualize yourself out of material existence. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Maya's too, too complicated. You can't. She she can't be figured out. 
That's not possible. Krishna says, Vishwana says he's beating his chest. He says, it says, Mama Maya Duratyaya. You pea brain, don't think you can think your way out of my Maya. That's not possible. <laughs> That's not happening. But if you surrender to me, then it becomes very easy. I can take you. I'm above Maya. I can take you. So by grace and then effort, we have to use our intelligence and body, mind, words, and so forth in relation to grace. It's not for. It's not that we stop thinking. Hmm? No, we have, to, we have to think a lot. We have to. We have to tax our intelligence. So, one thing is 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 philosophical mental speculation, caval yukti, that won't help us. Hmm? You you know you might through caval yukti come to the conclusion that you're not the body. A kind of a Socratic. Conclusion, as I understand, I'm a non-expert on the Greeks, but I think he 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 was said something like, "You want to kill me, but you don't know what I am." Hmm? So it's possible. Sanatana Goswami concedes in Brihad Bhagavatamrita, where there's an argument that he's constructed there between the Bhakti Shastras, the scriptures advocating Bhakti, and the scriptures advocating Gyan, and they're debating personified. They're debating with one another. Gyan is more efficacious than bhakti. No, bhakti is more efficacious and so forth. Hmm. So at the certain point that the Gyan Shastras say, well, you you don't need bhakti to become self-realized, to realize the Atma. Hmm. And Sanatana Goswami, well, the book says, okay, you got me. Hmm? Okay, you don't need bhakti to become self-realized. And so the jnanis are celebrating, right? (laughs) He lets them celebrate for a minute. And then he says, but self-realization is only the penultimate stage it's like getting to the one-yard line in the Super Bowl and not getting in the end zone. How disappointing. <laughs> because you might realize through Gyan, I mean, this is intellect is for discrimination. So the finest expression of discrimination is discriminate between what I, what's out there and who's asking the question. What's out there? And who's asking the question? Is what's out there the same as what's asking the question? Are they different? That's what life's about. <laughs> this isn't some old stuff, you know, dusty, you know, books off the shelf. This is very current uh, uh, for human life at all phases. What's out there, and who's asking? Are there a difference between the two? Is there an out there? Is there anything out there? Hmm. Some say there's nothing out there. Some say there's nothing in there. We have we have radical non-dual spiritualism. We have radical non-dual material materialism, and these are very crude, very crude materialism, 
at naturalism, reductive materialism. This is very like boring. How it's a very un nuanced understanding of of life. The attempt to to just reduce the entirety of emotional life, which is what it's all about, <laughs> to just matter, just non-experience, to 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 reduce experience to non-experience and they're having a hard time you know doing that obviously this, this is the hardest part of uh, the hardest part of of establishing beyond a doubt materialism or naturalism is well we have to deal with consciousness <laughs> you say it's the hardest part it's the whole thing <laughs> if you can't reduce consciousness to matter you don't have a, you don't have anything you have nothing. You have no philosophy. You, 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 I mean, it's the so they're having a hard time doing. It. It's called the hard problem of consciousness. We solve the problem. We don't. It's not a hard problem for us. We say stones don't think their thoughts. We're not Berkeleyan in our idealism to an extreme. Bishop Berkeley. Maybe the original Western idealist, you know, if the tree falls in the forest and nobody saw it or heard it, did it happen? Is there anything really out there? Hmm? And so, idealism is from material. Fo- well, I mean, so we, we, you have. There's only what's out there. There's only what's in there. Either. Very simplistic. The way to Vedanta would be everything's in there. There's nothing out there. It's such a simplistic perspective. That's just the antithesis of materialism. There's there's no nuance to it. In terms of Vedanta, it's it's funny because the way to Vedanta presents itself as being for the intellectuals, and Bhakti is for the well the emotional people who don't have as much up here to think it out and. And so forth, and that's that's fine too. You know, they'll get somewhere with that. You know. But actually, if you look at it, just look at Gaudiya Vaishnavism. How much more complex it is! How much more introspection and intellect it requires. Like I can speak to an audience and say, "Okay, you're you you you're not the body, and this is why, and you're pursuing enduring happiness in relation to things that don't endure." That's a recipe for, for disappointment. Hmm? Whatever you get and acquire in pursuit of happiness will, will, will leave you of its own course and leave you, and leave you disappointed as a result. Hmm? So on and so forth. We can go back and we can make so many arguments like this. It's fairly easy to make. But then if on top of that I have to say, so all these names and forms that the world's made up of, you named it this. Well, you know, you just gave it a name, whatever. Uh, this is all illusory, because it's all here today and gone tomorrow, right? Here it's a house. What was it before? Some wood, some fire, some water, some stone. Of course, it'll be here forever, given you know, that it's a temple now. But besides that, materially speaking things are here today and gone tomorrow right 
so you can make this point pretty well. I mean, I'm just speaking about it very superficially. But then if you have to say, but then again, if you want to go further, there are spiritual forms. Hmm. And there's a name that's eternal. So it becomes much more complicated. Hmm. The idea that Advaita is it's for the less intelligent people. Hmm. That's my perspective in terms of Vedanta. Hmm. It's the easier stuff, you know. It's all one. Okay. And that, that's our teaching, actually. The, 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 the extent to which the Upanishads emphasize the Atma is one with Brahman, is 101 in Vedanta. That's the beginning course. Hmm. If you want to know what God is like, what in this world most resembles God? Us. If we are consciousness, as we say. Hmm? But there's ways in which we are different from God also. But we have to be think about this and be told this and, and try to understand it. And, and he doesn't, right? Hmm. So, what were we talking about? <laughs> um, Hmm? The metaphysical plane, uh, transcendental. Like the two, two approaches yukti. to false ego. Yeah. No, we were talking about Shastra Yukti. Yes. Shastra Yukti. We had a little bit of a tangent there. But, <laughs> uh, but um, so, um, materialism, you know, this is a result of, you know, f- philosophical conception separating. Uh, reasoning from revelation. Our idea, theology, here is that that we there's something called shastra yukti. While oh, I was making the point, yeah. So while through kaval yukti, just let your mind go. You might come up with the conclusion that you're not the body, like Socrates, let's say, and in Brihad Bhagavatamrita, Sanatana Goswami concedes it's possible without bhakti. But then he says, but but again, uh, where's that? Because to realize the Atma is different than the body is different, or related, different than entering into Brahman and actually transcending. For that, to understand, let me give an example, to understand, to realize that you are an Atma, that you're consciousness, to realize it, and all fear, hmm? all anxiety. It's a big thing. I've given an example to come out of negative numbers of karma and debt to zero. You have no debt. You don't owe anybody anything. And you're complete. To arrive at zero, that, that in relation to negative numbers gives zero a positive uh, connotation, right? Hmm. But what that's like in relation to liberation, mukti, is getting a passport. You've got your passport now. Hmm? You, If you want to go into Brahman, you have to be like Brahman. You can't go with your shoes on. Hmm? You have to take off this dress. It doesn't, it doesn't fit there. That's the world of consciousness. If you want to go to the world of consciousness, that's a sub- super subjective world. You can't take the objective world with you. Hmm? 
that's just like a shadow that that comes the matter the objective world comes out of the subjective world hmm. you know you have to expel some things every now and then this is material life so to, to, to get a passport to get out hmm. this is self-realization Atmananda Atmaram like Sukadev he was Atmaram hmm. he was taking pleasure in the Atma and he had no interest in anything else. How 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 pleasurable is the Atma then compared to anything else that you could try to acquire and add on, dress yourself up with? Hmm? The Atma is more beautiful in its nakedness hmm? than any dress or attire of samsara that you could possibly put on. Hmm? The beauty of the Bhagavatam, of course, is that it dams the tide of material emotion it keeps the material life going on. It undresses the atma from its, in other words, its material uh, role and makes it naked, but it be, then it bathes it with rasa, bathes it with rasa, that it can enter the dance of, 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 Krishna, of Krishna Lila. So, in relation to liberation, you need a passport. But what else do you need? You need a visa. That comes from the other side. You can't get the visa from this side. You have to go to the embassy, which is a different country, even though it's there. It's in the, it's in the United States, but it's not there. Right? You need the visa. So visa comes from the other side. That's bhakti. So Sanatana Goswami says, it's true. You could come to self-realization by jnana because jnana is governed by sattva guna and sattva guna is characterized by knowledge. So the highest knowledge within sattva guna is of what's going on in the world is that you're an atma, you're not the body. That's the finest expression of, of discrimination. But if you should go through all the trouble in jnana to realize that you're an Atma. Hmm? Where have you gone? Sanatana says, you've only gone to the penultimate state and you didn't get, you didn't get liberation, hmm? which requires bhakti, as Krishna says in the Gita and Bhagavatam repeatedly, it's there in the text. You need the visa, you need the visa. Hmm? So he says, so who cares? So he got self-realization. Okay, we admit, you could get self-realization without bhakti, but <laughs> that's nowhere. The goal is mukti. Hmm? Not just self-realization. Tell that to the self-realization fellowship. No. It's <laughs> a term that they've used. I'm sure they're um, concerned about mukti. Um, so, somehow we got onto that. Oh yeah, uh, so mental speculation. Yes. So, we, instead of cable yukti, which the best you could come up with is arrive at self-realization, we went, we have Shastra Yukti. So Shastra Yukti means to reason about the implications of the scripture. It says this, it means this, this is what's behind it, this word means that, it's, and, and, and so forth. Krishna says at the end of the Gita, those who study my words, inside, outside, upside, downside, all sides, hmm, over and over again, 
and repeat it to the devotees. They're very dear to me, he says. Hmm? So he says, this is Gyanayagya. So another way of talking about it. The sacrifice of, 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 of knowledge, to use your intellect, to understand my words. Hmm? Hmm? What I'm saying, to understand the Bhagavatam. So this is called Shastra Yukti, but Rupa Goswami says, as I mentioned, Bhaktivasamrita Sindhu at the end of the first chapter, in order to do this successfully, one needs some taste. Hmm? So you can hear me do it, but not everybody else can necessarily, or others can do it, and land on their feet and say, I think this means this, and I think this means that. And But if they're not grounded enough in the teaching, just philosophically, they may not do it effectively. Hmm? Um, but if they have taste, then it's like Subal once once he said to me, he said, Gumer's like, you're fluent in Vaishnavism. Like, it's like a, like a, like a, you got just a feeling for this thing, you know, like a language or something. It's true, by the grace of my gurus and, and all of you, I got a feeling for it. So this, so have ruchi, then you can let you can, you can bring out so many meanings and land on your feet and speak about it in ways that haven't been spoken before. And so, so you're interested in that and the fact that you could sit and read it and you're, it's you know I can read. I can read the translation. It says what it says. He's talking about living in the Bhagavatam. I don't know. I it's, it's 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 nice, but but then when the sadhu unpacks it, as he said, right? Hmm, then you think, "Ooh, it's bigger than I thought." One one word, you know, going on and on and on about one one word. Mahaprabhu said, "Every word of Bhagavatam is Krishna." So, what was his understanding? When Sanatana Goswami had heard that previously Chaitanya Dev had explained the, a, a verse of the Bhagavatam, famous verse called the Atmarama verse, about Sugadev being self-realized and, in spite of being self-realized, becoming attracted to the Bhagavatam. What does he need a book for? When I used to sell books, Prabhupada's books, sometimes people would say, the truth is not in the book. You give one of these profound spiritual, you know, responses. Truth's not in a book. That was one. Of, <laughs> I'd say that's true. It's beyond the book, but you got to get beyond the book by going through the book. Go through the book to get beyond it. The book is helped meant to take you beyond itself. That is that is that is a whole idea of Srimad Bhagavatam. It's actually not a book, hmm? right? And the evidence is Sukadev. He became self-realized. He had no ambition, no want, anything. Then he heard these poems from the Bhagavatam spoken by a woodcutter who was sent by his father ostensibly to collect firewood, but told him to sing these poems because my son is lost in the forest, self-realized, and uh, I, I want to let him know there's, there's, something, there's something more. He heard the poems because his heart was clean like a, like a crystal. They went in. And he had an epiphany. Hmm? Something, you got a visa. You got a visa. What good's a passport? You're still in the country. Hmm? Right? You need the visa. So, um, so through bhakti we get the visa. And, and, yes, I mean, so therefore we, to hear the Bhagavatam, 
There are two Bhagavatams. We mentioned this the other night. I don't know if you hear. There are two Bhagavatams. The book Bhagavatam and the person Bhagavatam. Hmm? Some of my godbrothers and godsisters concluded after Prabhupada departed and there was confusion as to, as to who to take shelter of, where to get spiritual authority. And some of them came up with the bright idea that just take shelter of the book because there's two Bhagavatams. The Prabhupada was the person Bhagavatam and then there's the book Bhagavatam. We've got the book Bhagavatam, so Prabhupada's here in the book. We don't need anybody else or anything else. That understanding of the book is evidence that they need a person Bhagavatam <laughs> still to help them understand the book because that's not what the book's saying. The book's saying you need both. And when you think you don't, you really do. When you, th- you may not, ostens- or apparently, because you can talk to the people in the book. But if you can't, <laughs> you can't understand what they're saying, you can't land on your fa- feet, so to speak, and exp- explaining it, and you're falling outside of the parameters in, in very crude ways, even what the sadanta is, hmm? then it's obvious that you need to, you know, to say, for example, as some, some did, well, Prabhupada left, and so there's a spiritual deficit because he was filling such a big hole in our lives. How true, right? So he departed. Now there, now there's a problem. Hmm? So what should we do? Who could possibly fill the hole? Therefore, let's uh, do away with this Guru Parampara thing and we'll just keep Prabhupada in the center. Meanwhile, in the Gita, Krishna says, when there's a hole, the solution is Guru Parampara. <laughs> That's what he says. Evam Parampara Praptam Imam The solution of the problem is the parampara, is the continued succession. Hmm? Not to do away with it. Hmm? So, so there's a, those are examples of not landing on your feet, right? But so, so we need we need both Bhagwats. So so so, it's uh, we're humbled in our inability to draw from the text as much as as as, as um, those who have some taste for it can and we, we try to stay in their association. That's one comment on one of the points that you liked. Otherwise the philosophical or the metaphysical ego, false ego, and the psychological false ego, that's an important point I've raised in the past um, and it's it's very much misunderstood in, in, in many uh, contemporary spiritual circles and it's, it's results in a tremendous amount of psychological abuse in the name of spirituality where the guru so-called will embarrass um, I mean I'll give you a crude example there was a popular guru um, some time back and um, and he, he had some charisma and whatnot, and maybe some mysticism to him and, and but but in order to what he one of the things that he would do was invite the couple who were his disciples to come in to see him and then to in order to do away with their ego and their attachments you'd have sex with the wife in front of the husband and it's if you're having a problem with that it's obviously your ego you're attached it's obvious hmm. So this is, you know, do you think that you're going to do away with the, 
the, the, the hunkar by that is to, is, to, is to not understand what hunkar is. Hmm? Um, so it's a crude example, forgive me, but to have a healthy psychological ego, that's called sattva, hmm? to be balanced. One who's in sattva is in a better position to take advantage of bhakti, hmm? although bhakti will go anywhere. She doesn't depend on that. She may go to into anyone's heart but those who are in sattva or to use this example to be have good psychological balance they're going to be in a better position to take advantage of bhakti bhakti is going to cleanse away problems if they're not there well she doesn't have to do that so so that's the whole idea of varnashram varnashram is a is a social religious system that's supposed to bring people into material psychological balance by engaging them according to the, the nature of their disposition and so forth in, in a society and associating them with persons of like-mindedness and so forth. Hmm? So the Brahmins would live over here. and That, that was the idea. So it, 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 the, the, the import of it is that if you have uh, psychological balance, that's sattva, whether you're a sudra or Vaishya or whatever, and then you're in a better position for vertical growth, if you will. So, yeah, it's it's an important important point. Yes. So um, I've heard um, at the end of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta's life how he asked Srila Shudhar Swami to sing, even though someone else said no, let him sing because he sings beautifully, and Srila Shudhar Swami may not have, but um, but Srila Bhakti Siddhanta wanted to hear him sing. So along those lines, um, I know many devotees, especially our second generation, they love kirtan, and they're so good at kirtan and music, and, and it's very moving. And I also know personally that they don't really follow very strictly, uh-huh. and, um, and speakers as well that are great orators, and I know personally they don't really follow strictly but it's very enlivening sitting in front of them. They're very engaging. And conversely, others that, you know, are very um, strict, they're boring. You know, what I mean is they don't sing nicely and they don't speak, can't hold your attention. I find many writers are not good speakers because maybe they, you know, that's their medium writing. So I just want to know... you know, this you were talking about hearing from the book Bhagavad and the person Bhagavad. So what is that? Um, is that, you know, okay? And is it, um, are we still making advancement hearing like that if somebody's not following? Well, I think you'll know if you're making advancement. So you don't have to ask anybody if you're making advancement. If if as a result of association you're inspired to chant yourself and apply yourself in, in, in ways that maybe even those speaking are not, then you can, you've, you've taken some gold from a filthy place, to use Prabhupada's analogy. So you, you, have, you have to be kind of a artful, skillful in sadhana, and you want to associate in such a way as to make progress, and you have to tell your temperature. Is this helping me? If it is, then it's practical, and you tell your temperature like that. 
um, you know, you have to think, am I going for entertainment here? A lot of the kirtan, you know, scene is like entertainment, you know. Yeah, it's kind of like a garage band. It's very pleasing <laughs> to the mind, like you say, entertaining. But, but afterwards, like you said, you don't really feel... Yeah, so you have then, you may have, then you may have wasted your time and just titillated your intellect or, or your... You know, it sounds good, you know. So am I just, you know... I like the sounds. It gives me a uplifting emotional feeling, or it titillates my intellect. But or, or you know, that's not what we're looking for. Right? We're looking for something much more than that. So, but yeah, you have to. Yeah, just like um, when you spoke the first day, I thought I told my daughter, "Wow, I really want to pay attention now to the Bhagavatam." You know, not just reading it superficially, and also my japa, I always struggle with japa, but I, I felt an improvement the next day. You've taken gold from a filthy place. <laughs> <laughs> Good work. Hare Krishna. Yes. Um, so these are kind of more mundane questions, but also pertinent, I guess. Um, and it's not to be critical of anyone or any group or anything like that. But um, at present, my family's kind of suffered a bit um, psychologically, psychological threats, monetary threats uh, for kind of holding accountability for leadership in, say, another place, we'll just say. So it's kind of hard not to be burned by that. It's very. Um, it's testing, I should say. Um, so my question is, uh, what is what should we look for for leadership? What is the standard for leadership? Um, what is the accountability for leadership? And also, uh, not just institutionally, but also personally. I'm not trying to say like everyone else. It's everyone. I'm also speaking about myself, also. And we can also take the long. You know, we've done so many things in so many lifetimes, but now we're in the present. So. Um, those are my two main questions. It's just what is the standard for leadership? Should be leadership in relation to what? Um, in the, in in relation to a, an institution, like say there's a there's by default a spiritual institution, spiritual. a political institution. No, this is spiritual, not uh-huh. um, at all. Um, and also, what is the proper? These are kind of roadblocks for me that I've kind of need to undo. And have a proper understanding, and also what is the proper? These are just very basic questions, but what is the proper healthy guru-disciple relationship? Well, I we've talked for a while, so I don't want to go into too much depth here. But I think that uh, you know, what is the standard of spiritual authority? Is your is your first question, and um, I think that uh, in one sense the uh, who's a spiritual authority, let's say a guru figure, a sadhu, um, does have to be well versed in the in the teachings, hmm? you know, to be able to teach them, hmm? um, and acquainted, sabde parayatanishnatam brahmani upashamashrayam. So, uh, Bhagavatam answers this question, sabde pare. It says, 
Shabda means the sound, which means revelation, the Upanishads, Gita, the Bhagavad, and so forth. Shabde and Pare. The Bhagavatam is, is, is theistic, so here Pare means who has understood the Shabda, who's informed about the Shabda from a, from a theistic perspective, rather than from a Gyan perspective, right? Theistic perspective. And Nishnatam. And Nishnatam means upside down, inside out, and so forth, and looking at it from every angle. And Vishwanath Chakvati Thakur, interestingly, comments on the verse and says, and other books too. Hmm? Not just the Bhagavatam, and, 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 but other books. So, for example, our authorities, who formed our Sampradaya, they were familiar with all the philosophical systems of the time. There, there weren't as many as today, so it was a little easier. But, but they were, you know, the, the, the six darshans, they were familiar with them. And in their commentaries, you can see that they're, they're agreeing with something in the Nyaya philosophy or the Sankhya philosophy or disagreeing with it and so on. So, um, you know, to be an authority, you have to command, um, what is it called? Adherence. Rather than demand, it's not a rule. We say, you must have a guru. But the feeling should be, I must. Not that you must, but I must because I feel that she is capable of helping me because it's my experience sitting with her or him. I'm I'm inspired, and and those are th- I feel like that. Hmm? I couldn't say it like that, but but I feel like that. It's almost like that's what I wanted to say. If I could say it, I would say it like that. I feel I I resonate with that. So I must make this connection. Hmm? It's not like a law. Hmm? Um, uh, so the guru figure or the spiritual authority in this way commands respect. And if they demand it, hmm? like what, what can I do? If someone has faith in what I say, then we're okay. We agree. <laughs> so let's get together. You know, if you don't, well then, you know, you got to follow your faith. Hmm? Faith is something that we is not our doorstep where we wipe our feet. You know, it's it's where we bow our head to. Hmm? So, uh, or, or we defer to. Shraddhayam Purusha says a person is their faith. Hmm? So. Um, Sometimes, you know, we may be in a situation where some guru figure or spiritual authority is uh, demanding um, adherence to to what? I mean, there may be something where he, he insists or she insists, this you should follow. But what is that? That should be like, because this is what the Bhagavatam says, this is what the Gita says. We're teaching about bhakti, Okay. Another thing is, you may have an institution, which is you, you bring up. Hmm? Now, an institution brings in a whole other dimension. Hmm? The institution needs this, the institution wants that, the institution wants you to do this and do that, and so on and so forth. And um, that may, that's not essential to your bhakti. Hmm? 
Now, someone may thrive in that situation and want to do whatever the institution, you know, needs and, and so on and so forth, and someone else may not, hmm? because it's a, it's it has a well, there could be any number of reasons, but uh, take for example my god sister Jamuna and Dinatarne, they went outside of ISKCON because the institution wasn't working for them in terms of being able to serve it. And what did Prabhupada say? They were in Oregon, mm-hmm. story goes. And then Prabhupada said, oh, the, tell them to come to Los Angeles. And and they couldn't come for different reasons and so forth. So Prabhupada went there. And we, all the, all his close disciples there, you know, they were... Prabhupada can't go there. He's here with all of us. You know, there's two devotees, and they're not even in the mission anymore. They're outside. You know, he's not going to go. But I think Prabhupada went there. Hmm? Um, and there are other examples. Where Prabhupada would say, you know, if you can't uh, serve in ISKCON, which was an institution, you know, then um, you can serve outside. But the point is to serve Krishna, hmm? to hear chant, uh, so on and so forth, and to do Navalakshan Bhakti. Hearing, chanting, remembering about Krishna, serving the deity, and so on and so forth. So, the primary business of the guru is to engage us in bhakti. And if he or she has a mission and other things to do, and so on and so forth, then opportunity to engage in those things may be there as well. And um, uh, but there's some relativity to that. So. I might ask somebody to do something, and they might say, "I would love to do that, Guru Maharaj, but um, you know, I say, Can you, I want you to take this to San Francisco this morning." So I, I, I'd love to do that, but like I was up all night editing your book, and I'd probably fall asleep at the wheel. I don't say, "I'm your guru. I want you to do that." I say, "Okay, we'll get somebody else to do that." <laughs> and you know, we work around it. There's, so there's some relativity there, and there should be some flexibility. On the part of a you know a spiritual authority to make adjustments and, and so on and so forth. Whereas other things, there may be some demand. This, this is what bhakti is. No, it's not that in, in that sense. So, um, so the the guru has to command the spiritual authority our uh, affection hmm, and draw out of us a a a, a desire to 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 serve. Hmm. Um, and you know he or she has to have good good character example that we can see that what they teach they're exemplifying and if not you know you you can you can you choose your authority it's up to you i mean i can give you these parameters then you make a choice if you choose to think that somebody's not authority because other people think that person is well, you, you know, you don't have to go with the group think there. Um, and if if people threaten you, and I don't know what you're talking about, that this sounds pretty, pretty, pretty serious. It's more of like, say, leadership commits abuse. I'm saying, and then the disciples. Oh, I know. I see what you mean. Attacking the defender, I guess you would say. It's kind of more of my question. It's more of that. It's it's. Sometimes the followers are okaying the bad behavior, and then 
kind of attack anyone who criticizes the leader. Yeah, it's probably better not to get involved in it. Yes. You know, it's not you know it's not in your orbit. Right. It's in a broader sense. You're aware of it, and I think I know what you're talking about. I heard about this this morning from somebody in a, in another group, and but you know there's overflow. Um, take your you know stand and uh, you know let it be well reasoned and and. Uh, what was the other question? That was pretty much it. Okay. Well, we, okay, we'll stop there. All right. Nice to be with all of you. Sri Sri Krishna Balaram Ki Jai. Radha Govinda Ki Jai. Gaur Nityananda Ki Jai. Gaur Bhaktivrinda Ki Jai. Gaur Premanandi. Haribo! Panchakalpaturu Vyascha Kipasindu Vyavacha Patitanam Bhavani Vaishnavi Brahmanama Anantakori Vaishnavrinda Ki Jai. Gaur Premanandi.